This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, everyone. I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have my very, very good friend, Amanda Borges. Did I say it right? <laughs> you were close. You are close. You're in the, I suck. You're in the ballpark. It's Amanda Borges. She said it better. Oh, my See, God. I tried. You were close, Borges. though. I tried. Um, you got there. It's people have messed up. At least I didn't say it, the... Yeah, white girl. White. <laughs> yeah, you could have said Borges, and I would have thrown these headphones and I know you out. too well. <laughs> I know you too well for that. Um, but hey, Amanda. Hey, girl. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. We're I'm so, so excited to, to be here. You. So excited. and Amanda have been friends since college. Yeah. And we're going to get into a lot of different things today, mostly about health and body and relationship to your body and yes. all of that good stuff and overcoming struggle yes so it's gonna be a good one (laughs) so amanda introduce yourself who are you what do you do where are you from how old are you all right well as i said i'm amanda borges um i'm 25 i'm from upstate new york zero out of ten would not recommend growing (laughs) up there (laughs) not super fun um and i'm an actor which is how i met julia yee so cool so i feel like let's just jump into what the deep get into it yeah so manda yes you've dealt with a significant health struggle in high school uh something that you're continuing to deal with can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so basically, when I was like 17 years old, I noticed that there was like a lump on my throat. And I told my dad, and he's Puerto Rican, so he was like, you probably have a cold. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, he was like, you're all good, girl. Um, and then a couple weeks later, it was still there. And I told my mom, and I went to the doctor and started getting tests done. And basically, like a few months into it, I got diagnosed with cancer, with thyroid cancer. So yeah, so then I was in treatment for about uh, a year, like pretty much the full school year term for Mm -hmm. my senior Mm -hmm. year of high school and then I went into remission in April and now this April will be my seventh year in remission congratulations super exciting lucky number seven yes Yes. I'm so hyped so yeah so that's pretty much like the background of it Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean it's interesting because I think like at the time when it happened it felt like a hurdle to get over like mm-hmm. I was like okay I just have to like beat this and then my life will go back to normal yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then the past seven years has sort of been like me discovering that like that normalcy doesn't really exist and mm-hmm. that like you can't like undo what's already mm-hmm. happened and mm-hmm. you can't like make your life or make your body or make yourself be like something you want it to be when it's just not yeah. Um, yeah. and so a lot of like the last seven years have been like me sort of coming to terms with the fact that I have like an indivis- invisible disability and understanding like what that means for me yeah and we're definitely going to talk about that because you're the first person that I've ever heard that term from invisible disability Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting Uh, do you maybe want to talk about what that means to you yeah I mean I definitely it's interesting because I think it's something for a really long time that I 
felt like just super uncomfortable even saying that word Mm -hmm. um, because I just felt like and I mean I think a lot of people feel this way in different communities but I for sure had a sense of like imposter syndrome as a survivor Mm -hmm. um, where I you know for like example in my treatment like I had to get um, two surgeries and a round of radiation and then a few years later had to do like more intense radiation testing but because I didn't have chemo I was like oh I'm not a real survivor like Mm -hmm. I didn't really go through it and so the same thing with being disabled like when you fill out I can't remember what government form it is but there's some government form that you have that I've had to fill out for every job where it asks you like if you have a disability and one of the ones that they list is if you have cancer if you're a cancer survivor interesting see Um, I didn't even know that that was something that you had to yeah totally and I would always look at it and I'd be like well like yes that fits me but I don't feel like I'm disabled and I think a lot of that is because to be completely honest of like my own internalized like ableism of being like oh well that's not me like I think um a lot of people especially people who like to think of themselves as hard workers Mm -hmm. sort of have this mindset of like I can do anything I set my mind to Mm -hmm. um and they want to feel like there are no obstacles and that's just not true like everyone has limits and it's okay to Mm -hmm. be limited and to deal and you actually like can achieve more and can do more and can contribute more when you know your limits and when like you honor rest and what you need Yeah. yeah so yeah so for a while I just felt like I didn't deserve to be like within the disability community because I was like well I don't have like mobility issues or like mm-hmm. because it's an invisible disability I was like I'm not discriminated against in the same way that yeah, like right. someone else could be discriminated against because off the bat when someone sees you they wouldn't know right like, no right. one would know unless you told them absolutely and so yeah so an, an invisible disability can be and even now like I feel a little bit not uncomfortable but I do want to be like cautious talking about it of just course. because I don't think that it's like I mean it's not any one like person's job to be like a spokesperson but I def I just don't think I'm you know like I said I don't think it's any one person's job and I definitely don't think it's like I would be the right person right. for it um but this but, is your experience right your that you've story. been through and exactly exactly you and it can it's only just, speak for for your experience totally and like and I think the reason I started to think about it differently is because I was like well I don't feel that way like as a black woman as like a Puerto Rican woman as a woman like I don't feel like oh I don't deserve to say that I'm part of this community because I can't speak for everyone in my community like right. I shouldn't speak I want my community to speak for themselves right yeah. um and like that's what advocacy is is like creating space for people to talk about their own um their own lives and their own issues and their own struggles it's mm-hmm. not like speaking for someone else that's wow. not advocacy so yeah so an invisible disability could be anything from like my own stuff like my health issues to like I have a friend who's autistic like she actually has been major for me in like thinking about that differently Mm. Um, or it could be someone who has like impaired hearing any it could be you know a huge range of things it's just something that's not obvious when you first see someone totally so I want to kind of circle back in high school when you were dealing with treatment what was that like to be going through something like that at that age because it's rarer to be dealing with such a huge health struggle in your teenage years yeah Yeah. I mean it was definitely hard (laughs) yeah is the word I would choose I mean it's interesting because one of my friends actually this past summer like got diagnosed and is now in remission and it's been crazy to watch her go through it at such a different stage in her life and I think what it's really taught me is that like I mean cancer is hard it doesn't matter how right. old you, it doesn't matter what age you are it doesn't matter like your socioeconomic status your like ethnic background like it always just fucking sucks yeah mm-hmm. um definitely there are certain factors that can make it harder like for example you know I at like 17 18 was still like figuring out who I was as a 
person totally. and it was really hard to have like a wild card thrown in there mm-hmm. that's like oh yeah. also you have to figure out this whole thing yeah um, and how that affects your identity absolutely um it's really hard like it's something I still sometimes struggle with in like new friendships or a definitely like in dating relationships it's mm-hmm. something that's always like yeah I want to talk all about that yeah <laughs> like it definitely always feels like I think less so now it really like this the past two years I've really been working on like integrating it fully into my life so that it just feels like another thing that's part of me Mm -hmm. but I think for a long time it felt like a monster in the closet that like when do I bring this out when do I talk about it Mm. so yeah so I think that like at at that time it was really hard because I was you know I was applying to college which was hard enough I mean I remember my interview for NYU yeah and then imagine doing all of that like going through treatment and applying to college and trying to be just like yeah a kid yeah um I mean it definitely taught me that I have to like advocate for myself because to be completely honest like not all of my teachers were understanding or cared or like wanted to help which me which is just mind blowing. Mm, um yeah I mean every time I tell someone that they're they're shocked um that's but, literally their job yeah absolutely but yeah but that was definitely really really hard to get through but yeah I mean it was just it's it's interesting I just think it's hard no matter like there's different challenges at any age like mm-hmm. my friend who's going through it who went through it in these past like six months she, her family doesn't live here so like how do you go through treatment wow. when your parents like don't even live with you like my mom slept on the floor of my room for a year and yeah. took and like basically yeah. was my nurse and took care of me yeah. and like how do you do that when you live with roommates like how do you tell your roommate like hey I like can't get out of bed today because I'm so depressed or I'm freaking out or I'm thinking about death like how how do you exist as an adult um or like if you're a mom like how do you tell your kids that you have cancer like that you might be all these different hard conversations um for me at that age I think it was just so hard to figure out how that fit in my life because I didn't want it to be part of my life and I never pictured it being part of my life so yeah I think it I, in a way, made it a little harder for myself because I resisted so much to just, like, let it be what it was. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, I also felt a lot of pressure to be strong for the people around me because I was, like, old enough. Like, Mm -hmm. I was 18, so I was like, I'm an adult. Like, I can handle this like an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't let myself just be caught by, like, my community around me. Like, I didn't let them, like, catch me. I was like, I'll be fine. Like, I don't need to. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Um, well, and that I, must be so hard and I'm sure most people probably feel that way of like you have to be strong for the people around you when like really that's the time when you should be able to right. just feel all right. the feelings Whatever. like I think to be completely honest with you like I think I cried about it twice like in my entire treatment like mm-hmm. I when I got diagnosed like I didn't cry like I remember like being in the room and looking at my mom's face and being like I cannot cry right now or she's wow. gonna lose it like my mom yeah. will start crying which maybe isn't even true like I, I know my mom is super strong and she's always like had my back in that regard guard but in that moment that's like what I projected onto oh, myself well as a parent I can imagine that that's the last thing that you would ever want oh absolutely hear, or expect your even. child yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's terrifying has to deal with a struggle yeah absolutely yeah and it's interesting because even my mom was actually disabled for five years because she like she donated bone marrow to a leukemia patient mm. and like they fucked it all didn't up. go right yeah and oh, it gosh. yeah it didn't go right so she was severely disabled like she had um limited mobility for five years and one time we were at a restaurant and I saw like this thing on a menu that said because you know bone marrow is also like a dish mm-hmm. like in certain cultures so we saw it on the menu and I remember like asking her I was like is that triggering for you to like see that word mm. and she was like mm, not really but like it is 
when I like when I hear the word cancer it's triggering for me Mm, and like that was so interesting to me that something that lasted five years for my mom that was physically and mentally challenging for her to go through Mm -hmm. as like a woman as a mother that she's made peace with that Mm -hmm. but that something her daughter went through for one year still weighs on her and still like has a different space in her heart yeah um and so yeah so I think at the time like I put a lot of pressure on myself when I could have I think it would have been easier for me to my healing journey would have been easier if I didn't try to like bottle up my feelings like mm-hmm. if I, I think if mm-hmm. I just like let myself feel them then there wouldn't have been like this sort of delayed response later right so yeah. that is something that you felt like you've had to deal with oh definitely post, yeah post recovery yeah because I spent so long being like oh, this doesn't matter it's not a part of me or like this mm-hmm. is just something that's done now mm-hmm. that it took a really long time for me to be like actually it's something that's never going to be done and it's always going to mm-hmm. be a part of me and it's always going to be something that I'm going to have to deal with and that's okay mm-hmm. yeah um and like I said like it it also had a lot to do with like the other communities that I am a part of and that I care about being like well yeah like it's hard to be a woman of color I never wish that I'm not you mm-hmm. know what I mean like yeah. there's never a moment where like I'm upset about that or I'm ashamed of that in the mm-hmm. way that like sometimes I would feel that way about being a survivor mm-hmm. so yeah so I really think like the past seven years has sort of been like trying to undo those initial reactionary feelings Totally. Well, it's so interesting because I feel like there's so much identity work that that helps through healing. Yeah. And what, what becomes hard is there are certain things that we choose to label ourselves as, but there are certain things that we can't change, right? Mm-hmm. We can't change our age. We can't change our background, where we come from, and we can't change certain things we've experienced. So it depends on what type of like attachment we want to have to that or what meaning we allow it to carry with us so I just feel like such a strong energy coming from you mm-hmm. um, and I can tell even just by the way you're talking about it, how much you desire to be strong for the people around you and how much you carry that strength with you. So I just admire you so much in the few moments that I've heard you speak, really. I remember meeting Amanda, not even meeting Amanda, seeing Amanda for Mm -hmm. the first time and she was performing the first time I saw her. When was this? Freshman year. Was Um, it at the Friday thing? No, it was at like Colors... um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we were in theater school together and we were on like te- so-called teams, like your group. And uh, each group had to do this like performance at the end of the year. Me and Amanda were separate groups. But I remember seeing her performance. And I, is that when you did your monologue about your me monologue? Yeah, that was actually someone else wrote that monologue. But yeah, I mm. performed it at that Friday. But I just remember seeing her and not knowing her. And I was like, damn, that girl is so powerful. Yeah. Like, because you just radiate it. Thank you. You do. I'm telling you. And I know I know people who listen to this will feel that. Yeah. And Amanda's like a petite. Yeah, I'm tiny. Girl, like, <laughs> but she radiates strength. Thank you. So much. It's funny. I have another. Daniela told me that that's like she remembers that as the first time. Like I, I remember asking her one time, like, what's your what was your first impression of me? Yeah. And she said she had like a couple first impressions. And that was one of them. And yeah. watching me perform like at that. Oh, and wow. she said a similar thing. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I was also like, that, that girl's never going to want to be my friend. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you no, were wrong. <laughs> I love you. I always say Julia is the one who taught me how to be nice because we got because <laughs> I remember like our when was it our sophomore year of college? we were walking down the street this is such a I tell people this story all the time it's one of my favorite stories about us um we were walking down the street and there was like this person from our class who was not always a lovely person to be around in terms of 
the way that they would treat yeah in the way like their Mm -hmm. attitude and the way they would um behave towards people and um they like walked towards us and Julia, like, you know, greeted them in their Julia way. She was like, oh, my gosh, hi, how are hi, you? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and she was like, see, like, they, she asked them what they were getting for lunch. And they were like, oh, I'm getting this. And she's like, sounds yummy. Like, see you in class. Like, something like that. And so then we walked away. And I turned to Julia and, you know, with my energy was like, Julia, you're so fake. Like you, I was like, you don't <laughs> no, like that. Actually, she was like, bitch, you're being fake. Yeah, I was like, yo, girl, you. Don't, I know you don't like that person. Like I don't like that person. Like why the fuck did you? Like you were so nice to them. What the hell? Like that's fake. And Julia turned to me and she was like, it's not fake. Like she was like, it's. She was like, no, it's not. That's called like being a kind person. Like you can speak to someone. She was like, I didn't ask them what they're doing this weekend. I didn't say let's hang out. I didn't tell them any personal secrets. I didn't ask them anything personal. Like you can greet someone and you can treat them with like kindness and respect, even if you don't like them, because that's a reflection on like you. Ooh. And I was like, okay, bitch. <laughs> okay. And I remember that moment, and it really like changed the way that I like carried myself in spaces um, with people who I felt like you know, weren't kind or weren't respectful. I was like, well, you can still give that energy. Like you can still create boundaries, healthy boundaries for Mm -hmm. yourself and create can create standards for yourself while still being kind and respectful to those around you. And it was like a really major like moment of growth. Yeah. Wow. The newest golden rule. Yeah. (laughs) I remember that moment. It was like a hallmark moment in our friendship. I was like, like, you know what? I like this bitch. (laughs) Sounds yummy. Yeah. I, I was like, I just want her to be my friend. I so love cool. it. Um, but anyway, circling back, um, you kind of started to touch on it. Mm-hmm. So n- now being a woman in your 20s, how has that carried into this stage of life with you? It's yeah. I mean, now it actually feels like I feel like this past year, especially the past six months, has been one of the first times that I just feel like excited for my whole life and like whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, to be honest, a lot of that is because over the summer um, I got diagnosed with Crohn's. And I remember it was like that actually almost felt like more of a breaking point for me than when I got diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. It also took them a little while to figure out. Yeah. I mean, it was a really long testing process. Um, It was like more painful up front in the way that like definitely like my surgery like there were things in treatment that took a physical toll but there was like a warning Mm -hmm. like it was like hey you're gonna get surgery and there's this is how long the recovery period is and this is Mm -hmm. what it's gonna be like whereas with Crohn's I was doing a show and all of a sudden I just was like why is why am I in pain all the time like Mm -hmm. why am I having these issues and I remember like actually I will always remember this moment I talk to this friend about this all the time um but one of like my best friends Anna who I also live with like came into the kitchen after I had just gotten off the phone with the doctor who told me about it um and it was a really tricky phone call too because he like wanted to put me on these two different medications and like one of the medications I remember was a suppository which first of all hell no that's that shit is nasty i was like you gotta be kidding me i'm not that's not my destiny um yeah like i was like um no and so and then the other thing was something that he was like oh you have to take it like 30 minutes before you eat breakfast in the morning and i was like um well i have to take my my synthroid which is the medication i take because my thyroid was removed in treatment i was like i take my synthroid 20 minutes before i eat it has to dissolve so do i take my synthroid wait 20 minutes take this other medication wait another 30 minutes so i have to wake up like 50 minutes early and just shit like what's what's the procedure here Mm -hmm. yeah and he was like oh you know what let me look that up which i was like first of all aren't you a fucking doctor like what is going on um Um, And then basically he was like, oh, it could affect like the potency of your Synthroid. So we could just like, you could start taking this and then we'll see and we'll tweak it. That's not good. And I was like, 
Um, no. Like, if my Synthroid is off, like, I can, like, lose a ton of weight, which has happened to me before, or, like, gain weight, or it can affect, I mean, it'll affect, like, if you're a woman, your cycle, your metabolism, your bone health. Like, it's it's very serious. Yeah. It controls every major mm-hmm. hormone system in your body. And I was like, um, no. I, on the phone, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm absolutely not doing anything that's going to affect my Synthroid. Um, and so I sort of ended the phone call being like, okay, I know I have this issue. I don't know what I'm going to do about it to, like, deal with it long term. I know that it's dangerous if I don't deal with it long term, but I also know that like the way that he's suggesting I deal with it isn't going to work for me and doesn't feel healthy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got off the phone. Anna came into the kitchen and she was like, hey, girl, how are you? Like think like a casual normal thing. No idea. Right. Like she's like, hey, bitch, what's up? And I was like, honestly, I'm feeling so And like just started like getting really upset and sort of kind of just like broke down to her and was and told her what was going on. And I really appreciate and like one thing I just treasure about my friendship with her in general. I feel like honestly actually with all of my like really close friends and all my best friends like we all have like a gentleness and a tenderness towards each other but at the same time like we're real we we're real with each other and we know how to sort of have the I don't even know like the word to use for it like have the generosity of like calling someone out because it it is generous to be like hey you're out of pocket like that for sure to be honest but to be supportive and honest at the same time totally exactly and I'm I'm so grateful that like all my friends I think have like a beautiful balance with that Mm -hmm. and so she told me and I was talking to her like about my career I was like I don't know how I'm gonna be an actor when like the industry has this sort of like run yourself into the ground standard Mm -hmm. and like my health is different I can't afford to do that like blah 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 and was sort of just like spiraling was just like nothing in my life is ever gonna work out Mm -hmm. because my health is bad no one understands it like my friends don't deal with these issues people I date don't deal with these issues like what the hell and she sort of just like stopped me and was like okay well like this is this is your life like this is your body mm-hmm. and like this conversation isn't going to change that and she was like but you can ask for what you need like if you're doing a show and the rehearsals get too intense and like you need a rest day you can demand that like you can say hey I'm gonna work on lines at home today but I actually just can't come in because like my body needs me to rest or whatever it is yeah and she just was like you can create like your own standards for you and your work and for yourself and advocate um, for yourself which is really hard to do right and she was just like you know it is hard because we're in our 20s and I think like uh, most people sort of just have fun in their 20s and then get to their 30s and are like okay let's get serious now and like Mm -hmm. try to start figuring it out and she was like you're not going to get to do that and that's not necessarily like a disservice to your life that's actually really good because you're going to know who you are you're going to know how to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and how to advocate for yourself yeah and ask for what you need which I which I think is a really hard thing to do when you're a young person especially a young woman totally yeah and and she was also really generous like she was like you know if you feel like insecure about like planning like she was like especially if it's in terms of like your future she was like you and I can sit down and have a meeting about that she basically just was like girl like, I got your back. Yeah, like she was like, I got your back. You have resources. Mm-hmm. You know how to advocate for yourself. Basically called me out in the sense that she was like, you're not a victim and you don't need to have like a victim narrative for mm-hmm. yourself. Like you can be, you can have a full life and still have these things going on. I love that because I think there are, there's this, it depends on what we need in the moment because I feel like sometimes we're so hard on ourselves that we need someone to be den- gentle towards us and remind us like, hey, it's it's please be kinder to yourself. Totally. But then to also have whether it's the same person or other people that fill that in your life to say, hey, listen, this this isn't what you need right now. And to be real with you, it just plays. I don't know. Someone that keeps you in that balance between having grit and yeah, like letting giving you yourself feel some your grace. feelings, yeah. but also who's going to kind of point you in 
exactly. the right direction. Totally. Yeah. Like even um my friend that I met through work, she uh she shares a lot like on her page about she calls herself like a mental health warrior and she definitely is like a huge advocate for that community. And she shared something on her page the other day about being autistic and she said like I can't even I wish I could remember the exact way she phrased it because it was so beautiful and it's not gonna sound the same in my words. But she basically just was sharing about how like she loves being autistic and it bothers her when people assume that she doesn't like it or that she's ashamed mm-hmm. with it. And she was like, I can have bad days. Like, of course, I can have days where I'm overwhelmed or where I'm suffering because I don't have, I'm not neurotypical, but that doesn't mean that you have to dislike this part of yourself Mm -hmm. um, or that you have to see it as something that like just makes your life harder because it doesn't. And I watched this documentary recently actually called Moonlight Sonata. I don't know if y'all have seen it. I haven't. So good. Would definitely recommend it. It's on (laughs) HBO. Um, A little plug. And (laughs) it's basically about this boy who has auditory impairment and his grandfather is deaf and he's trying to learn to play the Moonlight Sonata which Beethoven wrote when he was becoming deaf oh my god and so and it's a really really um complex and challenging piece oh my god I want to watch that it's so (laughs) good and it's like a young a young boy like he's not I want to say he's like eight or not I mean or something like he's a kid yeah yeah um and at one point he's like getting really frustrated he's not getting the music and he's like sort of sitting in his room looking out the window with like a blanket over him looking hella depressed you know relatable content (laughs) and his mom comes in his room and she's sort of like trying to talk to him and at one point she's like you know what grandpa said the other day and he's like what and she's like he says that he thinks his life is better because he's deaf Mm. and like he's happy that he was born that way and I was and I remember watching it and I was watching it like at a friend's house that I don't know that well and I remember having to sit there and being like don't cry because (laughs) it really affected me because I in that moment I was just like wow what would my life be like if I thought about my health that way Mm. because I think that with cancer specifically like you know like even like the hashtag fuck cancer like of course it's a it's a deadly disease it's terrifying getting that is terrifying going through it is awful like it it affects everything in your life and in your family and it's not you know a good thing but I was like what would my attitudes towards myself and my future be like if I was like grateful for that Mm -hmm. like how would I what doors could I unlock if I said actually I'm really grateful to be a survivor because it because also not everyone gets to survive it so that in and of itself is a huge blessing and I've been thinking about that a lot more lately and I've I find myself more and more being not happy that it happened, but very grateful for like the lessons that it's taught me Mm -hmm, and um, the way that it's like helped me and forced me to understand myself better and to um, just like approach my life with more determination or more optimism. And how powerful just a a mindset change, the way you word it to yourself, the way you speak to yourself about something Mm -hmm. can change so much absolutely so much yeah oh my god I have a lot of questions (laughs) go ahead girl how does fear come into play I mean and how have you how have you coped with that yeah um definitely I feel like it was something that I remember like it was it was really big for me honestly like I feel like the most fearful I've ever been was I can think of like two instances the first was when I was like very first in remission because basically like when I was the final part of my treatment was radiation And I remember like the last day of radiation is when they do like a full body scan. And that's like, if y'all have seen like The Fault in Our Stars, I fucking hate that movie. It's trash. John Green, if you're listening, (laughs) we got beef, bro. (laughs) 
we have major beef. <laughs> um, but so like there's a line in that movie where he's like, I lit up like a Christmas tree. And that's sort of in reference to like when you get these scans, like mm. basically like the radiation will these radio the radioactive iodine will attach to cancer cells mm-hmm. and from from my type of radiation at least it attached to cancer cells and then basically like it tries to kill the cell and if it can't it stays attached so then when they scan you that radioactive iodine will glow and so if they see you're glowing anywhere they know that there's cancer cells there and then they decide what the next phase of your treatment will be Mm -hmm. and so for the last day of my scan they were like all right you're all good like you're clear um and I remember leaving and being like so I'm like almost feeling like is like am I being punked right now like what's like it just doesn't feel real Mm -hmm. and I remember leaving with my mom and being like so am I cancer free right now and she was like yeah like that's it we're done and I remember being like I don't feel different though like mm. I earlier in this week and because basically like the type of radiation I got, you can feel it working like you can f- it feels like painful to have it like be attacking your cancer cells because you, it's you can feel it inside your body. And wow. so like earlier in the week, I felt that. And so I was like, wait, so earlier in the week I had cancer and now I don't what like I and like Like, what a a shock right and like I mean at the same time too I was like 18 17 when I started going to the doctor 18 when I officially got diagnosed there was no reason it's not like I was like a smoker or like even like a partier or like any there was no thing that you could point to that was like ah this is why this is happening this totally behavior exactly and so it's interesting because like during my treatment I think like I said I was really trying to be strong and for the most part I was sort of almost able to like buy into that delusion that mm-hmm. like nothing was really happening or that yeah. like I said like I really believed everything would go back to normal whatever that means um, once it was over and so when I was in remission it was r- when I like first got put into remission it was really scary because I just was like well I don't I don't feel different being now cancer free to how I did a week ago when I had it so how am I supposed to tell that I have it again if mm-hmm. I get it like I remember being Ooh. like what especially since like the like my tumor was really big like you could see it on my neck and so I was like well if cells come back they're not going to be like in a lump like that again so like what if they just went into like my lymph nodes or my lungs and then like I found out when it was too late or something like that um and I remember talking to my mom about it and I was like and I said something like that to her like I was like well what if it comes back like how am I supposed to know or how do I and like just like sort of expressing like all these fearful thoughts to her And she basically was like, well, you know, Amanda, some people who haven't even had cancer spend their whole lives wondering like what bad thing is going to happen to them. And it doesn't keep bad things from happening. Yeah. So all you can do is just be happy that you're okay now and remind yourself that you're okay and just try to move forward. Yeah, yeah, my mom is really she comes with the gems when it comes to (laughs) this kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I think. Also, like, one thing that makes me think about it is, didn't expect to talk about this, but I, like, went through a really difficult breakup one time while I was going through a cancer scare, and th- that made me really fearful that, like, I would never find someone who would be able to understand that part mm-hmm. of me, and, like, it really, because it happened when I was going through a cancer scare, it really made me feel like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I watched, um, I went to a talk earlier this week that was um, in celebration of Black History Month, and this one guy was there, and he was telling this story about, he's in a wheelchair, and he was talking about the moment he became disabled. It was, like, in a um, ski accident, I want to say, some mm-hmm. sort of outdoorsy, mm-hmm. An accident. or no, a mountain bike accident, yeah. I think it was. Um, and he said when he was lying there, like wondering if like anyone was going to find him or if he was going to like freeze to death on the side of this mountain, that the things that were going through his mind is who's going to want to be my friend? 
if I'm in a wheelchair and who's going to want to date me. Wow. And I think that like that is really major for, again, like can't speak for my whole community, but like I think that's really major in the disabled community is like who's going to want this? Mm. Because like we live in a world that is so ableist mm. that has this like, oh, you have to, you have to overcome or like you have Absolutely. to, you know, like it's, mm. it's just a sort of like toxic attitude of mm-hmm. like being your best self, but yeah. best means different things for different people. Yep. And so because of the timing of that breakup, I really felt like no one is going to ever want to date me because I'm a cancer survivor. No one is ever going to want to marry me or have kids with me because there's this thing that's wrong with me. And yeah, and it was a really difficult time. But now it's it's interesting because I sort of have like the opposite feeling where I feel like this is something that's really special about me and like something that like has given me a unique perspective. And someone should feel blessed and grateful and lucky that they get to like share in that energy because I know I have like a beautiful energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I'm surrounded by people with like beautiful energies. So it, it's interesting like how that has like completely transformed. Because if you had asked me a year ago, I think it would be really different. Yeah. Were there any wow. specific tools that helped you to get to that place? Yeah. I mean, definitely like I think I'm very intentional about like who I spend my time with. Mm-hmm. Really um, important. I think I'm really, really lucky that like every single person I'm close to that I'm friends with is someone that like genuinely uplifts me and supports me that I feel like safe around and comfortable around so important um I mean yeah I just have like I like I straight up think I have the greatest friends in the world like bite me you (laughs) you don't have a group like I do um and then I think the other thing has honestly been like therapy like I started um I went to therapy like a couple times in college but I sort of always thought like oh this is something you do when like you feel really, really sad. But like, mm-hmm. if you're good, you we don't always need... talk about that. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be broken to like. Right. And like, I really think I thought take of it. care of yourself. Right. I thought of it as therapy is like sort of like a Band-Aid yeah. um, that you like put on when you're hurting, when like it can actually just be something that you have in your life all the time. Yep. Um, just like, it, it's just something that positively affects you. Just like trying to like have any sort of healthy habit, whether it's like the way you eat, like your exercise, like whatever it mm-hmm. is. Yep. Totally. Um, and so I started going to therapy in the summer because I was diagnosed with Crohn's and I was having a really hard time with it. And I was feeling like sort of overwhelmed. And also because when I, I have to see as part of like my remission, I have to see like my endocrinologist every six months and she does cancer cell testing and also like checks my hormone levels. And when I saw her, I think it was like last November like November of two years ago Mm -hmm. um I saw her and you know when you go to the doctor and they're like have you been feeling like down depressed or hopeless in the past two (laughs) weeks and she they asked me that and I was like you know what as a matter of fact yes I have (laughs) I was like I have been feeling down depressed and hopeless um and my doctor was just like okay so like let's let's fix that and she basically just was like you know honestly like for a lot of people who take this drug every day I would recommend going to therapy because it's really hard on your body Mm -hmm. um, because it controls every hormone system in your body which includes your emotions yeah so if your hormones are off all of a sudden you're really angry or you're really depressed and you don't know why like it's the same thing for anyone who takes like antidepressants or Mm -hmm. anything like that like you know if that shit is off and you're just like I don't know like I remember one time my medication was off and I was in an adjustment period which is like really hard because your body feels insane and I remember I was visiting my parents and I think it was my mom or my dad who said something and I like snapped at them and I said right afterwards I was like I don't even know why I got mad at that like they literally asked me something like I don't even remember what it was but it was something like do you want water and I was like no I don't want water like Like, PMSing times 100 yeah like it's just I I remember being like why did I snap at you like I'm like and just not knowing like why it's happening Mm -hmm. yeah um and imagine that could be very frustrating right Extremely. Um, and so, so yeah, so I, like, 
I think it was really hard through going through that. But my my doctor basically told me like when you're on this medication, like I would recommend therapy for anybody. But definitely if you're a cancer survivor, you should be in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I first went to not even the therapist I see now, but the one I went to before that, she basically was like, yeah, actually within my practice, I've come to think of therapy as like, a, or not therapy, uh, being a cancer survivor is like a major trauma. Like she was like, I think yeah, of it the yeah. same way as like a, ma- like a major death or like, um, she was like, you know, I notice a lot of similar patterns with like some of my clients who have experienced like sexual assault. Like it's, it's something that like you carry with you and that weighs on you forever. Um, and it was really interesting to hear someone talk about that and be like, oh, right. It's not something you can just like sweep under the rug mm-hmm. and be like, oh, it's all good. Right. And yeah, it's really interesting now to observe how much my just like how much I've changed in six months because I always was like, eh, is it going to help that much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does. It can completely like change your life, even if you're not a cancer survivor or it doesn't matter. Like, I just think everyone should go. I think also people sometimes associate receiving help as not being strong totally mm-hmm. but you can be strong and still receive the help i think it yeah i think it makes you strong yeah, because totally. you really as opposed to holding in certain feelings which are of course hard to express i think it makes you strong to go out there and talk about that's st- the stuff that's hard that you're totally. not even that's not even in your right. conscious Instead mind of just sometimes. pretending it didn't totally. happen because the truth is is that neglect has never healed anything mm-hmm. and so by ignoring a problem that doesn't make it go away mm-hmm. and in fact like julie and i were talking about this in the car ride over like the minute you bring something like out of the shadows and put it into the light you can see it more clearly and yeah. then when you can see something clearly you know how to deal with it but when you're just like focusing all your energy on like hiding it or covering it up or pretending that it doesn't exist you're just creating a larger problem for yourself because Mm -hmm. not only are you being affected by this thing that's hurting you but then you're also being hurt by this pressure you're putting on yourself to hide it yeah and 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 the buildup that it causes the everyday little things that add up over time that make it even harder and harder to continue trying to live quote-unquote normally totally and there's stuff so much stuff underneath yeah so you kind of mentioned it before but how do you approach telling a friend or a partner mm-hmm. that doesn't oh God, know? So crazy. Um, <laughs> I, I, obviously, this is very specific to your experience, but also like it doesn't have to. I feel like a lot of people struggle with telling a new friend or a partner anything. It doesn't even have to be just a like a physical health thing. Sometimes telling a partner a mental health thing mm, totally. can be really hard for people. For sure. So how have you dealt with that? It's interesting. I think. Um, I have like two I I'm lucky now that this past year I've sort of created like a very small community with two other friends who are also cancer survivors and we'll sort of hang out and be like what are y'all doing like what's the deal with this <laughs> shit yeah yeah, to yeah. Bounce, bounce off of yeah it's, it's really important um and one at one time we were talking about this we were like when do you tell someone you're dating that you're a survivor because it's something that they're never going to ask you it's not like a question right. that comes yeah. up that's like are your parents together like even something that could be like oh i have anxiety do you have anxiety like something that's totally. more common or whatever mm-hmm. um right no one's gonna ask you like oh so have you have you literally uh, beat a have you ever had to, yeah have you ever had to fight for your life like it's just not something <laughs> yeah. that like comes up um and and i think also like with With friends, sometimes I, like, struggle with the timing of when to bring it up Mm -hmm. because, you know, you have different relationships with different friends. Absolutely. Whereas, like, with a partner, like, you know that there's going to be a foundation of serious intimacy, so you're like, this has to come up. Whereas, like, I have some friends that, like, don't know it about me and it doesn't necessarily feel like... 
it's hidden or like a loss like it just like hasn't come up and when it comes up it'll come up and I don't yeah. really like think about it as much mm-hmm. with friends I mean I think sometimes it does cross my mind like when whenever I'm in like a social situation and someone will say something like oh you know we all blah 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 and it's not true for you mm-hmm. um which is again like something that's low-key ableist as people will be like you know how bodies work and it's like well people have different bodies Mm -hmm. um and even like someone said to me yesterday I was like on the phone with someone in the end um it was like late at night and I was like well I have to go to bed because like I can't do well on no sleep or something and they were like oh well I'm not gonna get that much sleep either and I was like okay well different bodies process different things differently and they were like you're right you're totally right like my body I can do fine on no sleep so you know what I mean like things like that that definitely like come up and I sort of have gotten better at gently calling out Mm -hmm. but for sure with dating yeah it's tricky. I remember talking about it with two of my friends who are cancer survivors and one of them was like, I think second date. Like, just like, get it. Like, she was like, you ripped the band Yeah, off. like, she was mm-hmm. like, you're on the second date so you know you like them because otherwise you wouldn't have gone out with them again. Sure. Right. And she was like, just like, get it out there. It's done. Like, if you want to talk about it more intimately, like, later you can because mm-hmm. it's something that's already known. But, because I think like, the struggle for me is I don't want it to feel like a secret that's like being revealed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, um, how do you actually bring it up? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's something that, like, there's honestly, like, no formula Yeah, there's no script for it. Yeah, there's no, like, and now is the moment. Like, it just doesn't, yeah, it really, like, has to come up, like, organically. Usually it's something like that. Like, someone will say something that, in my mind, like, trips me to be like, ooh, that's different for me. Uh And then I'll say something, oh, well, like, for me, well, recently, like, I had to say... Um, someone was talking about going to Vegas for their like 21st birthday and I was like oh I was thinking about going to Vegas for my seven year and they were like seven year what and I was Mm -hmm. like seven years intermission and then they sort of looked at me like wait (laughs) are you about to say what I think you're gonna say Um, so yeah like I I think it's sometimes and it's also really hard because this is something me and my like other two survivor friends were talking about is it also like sometimes can like ruin the vibe not because like there's anything wrong with saying that right but because of like you know how you kind of feel about somebody depending on how they react mm. like one time I was dating this guy and I told him and he was like oh let me give you a hug and I'm still friends with him now but I was like nah we're not <laughs> like I remember that moment and being like you know what? I don't. I don't know if we're gonna like a hug. Yeah, like I was like, I don't need a hug, bro. Like I'm good. Like I'm. I'm healthy. Um, but yeah, like I. Yeah, it's really, really strange. No. Um, also because like like anything, people project their own feelings about their body and their health onto you. Um, so I've definitely and it's hard because like obviously with a partner, that's something that they have to understand. Yeah better than your friends because they're gonna have like if it's especially a long-term partner like someone you have kids with Mm -hmm. like that's something you have to talk about like for me personally it's you know like I've had conversations with my doctor of like what is it gonna be like for me when I want to get pregnant because it's Mm -hmm. not gonna be the same as like Mm -hmm. my friends who will just like start trying Mm -hmm. um because of my medication Mm -hmm. and so like that's something you have to discuss with someone I mean not dating because I'm not trying to get pregnant over here but (laughs) you know like it's something that like it's it's integrated more into that type of relationship so yeah but I mean I definitely yeah there's definitely no like formula and you Mm -hmm. just sort of have to like feel it out and go with what feels right but it is it's tricky like it it, just because you know it's so different definitely and I think for someone on the other side again absolutely nothing wrong with it but I think like you said it's more unique I guess than Mm -hmm. than the other stuff that's more commonly talked about so it's probably also very unexpected for them to hear that yeah because it's not something that you have like most people at least don't have relationship to it like it's not like something that someone can be like oh my parents are divorced and you can be like me too like Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to live through that or you can at least be like oh like I didn't live through that but my best friend did and I've talked to her a lot about it or whatever it is or like even like 
one of my friends has struggled with disordered eating for years and like that's a conversation she has to have with partners but like again like her partner can be like oh I've had friends who have gone through like it's like something that people have relationships especially in a young person because even if someone has a relationship to an older person that has has had cancer it's different when it's a younger person totally they don't have like the same perspective like no one at like I'm 25 no one at my age has had to be a caretaker Mm-hmm. like or at least like I haven't met someone who's had to be an intense caretaker like that yet not to say yeah. that they don't exist but so it, it is like a little bit trickier because it is always like a it disrupts a conversation for sure mm-hmm. it definitely is like yeah like a bomb that you drop where you're just like <laughs> and this thing like it's it, it totally does um shifts the dynamic for sure um, and I'm also very aware that people see me differently. Um, sometimes like in a good way, I think like the best way that it's ever received is when people are like, wow, I didn't know that about you. And it's something that is like, they see it clearly and they like sort of honor it. And then it's, that's it. And they like, mm-hmm. let me bring it up again when I want to bring it up. I think like even sometimes good intentions, like I've had people be like, wow, like congrats, like you're so strong or something like that. And I'm like, well, like I didn't choose to have this. And like, you don't get to choose if you survive it. And I kind of take issue with, and I, and again, like I know it's good intentions, mm-hmm. like, cause yeah. they're just trying to like give me positive energy. Of course. But, um, but you know, everybody has like their own preferences and like, I I don't like to hear that. So when someone says that, I'm like, uh, like it it does. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it sort of like lets you know right away, like how you feel about someone Mm because it's such an important thing in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so everybody internalizes things differently and all that. And I love that, especially because you mentioned before, like having a community, like two people that you have in all different communities that it seems like you're part of now, that it's so powerful to surround yourself, not only by people that build you up, but people who really understand exactly what you've been through. Totally. Because it's so different to anybody can can listen and understand and it still matters so much to be supported and to to feel heard but for someone who gets it firsthand and knows Mm -hmm. the experience and to be able to support each other through that is so powerful so I think you and not that I know how you went about connecting with these communities but you getting out there and doing that is is so powerful and just making sure that you are supported in the way that's most beneficial to you so that you feel less alone totally Mm. I think like Honestly, I've had conversations with other friends who are like queer like me. And I feel like that actually is like the most similar thing that I've found that Mm -hmm. people will be like, oh, I've had to go through that. Like I was talking to someone the other day and they're non-binary and they were talking about like how a lot of their partners will sometimes at first perceive them as like as a man and will use he, him pronouns. And it's a thing for them to be like, actually, I use they pronouns like I'm Mm non-binary. And that depending on their reaction, like they very quickly, especially because, you know, like homophobia, people feel feel a little like they can be more open about that than I think sometimes people don't feel as open that they can be like rude to a cancer survivor (laughs) although you'd be surprised because I've Mm. I've gotten some I've had some people say some wild things to me um but I was talking to like one of my friends the other day who's bi and we were talking about like when you tell a guy that you're queer how it's it's very telling especially and I mean like for everyone as young women like we were like well like what if they fetishize you like what if they like Mm. start like oh have you been with other women or like you know whatever Mm. it is um so yeah so I think it's definitely it's definitely unique but it's not so unique that other people don't have to deal with it who don't have like health issues like it's just something that comes up yeah um 
But it, yeah, it's interesting to like sort of speaking about like finding those communities. I, I do think I've done like work to find those communities. But mm-hmm. I also think when you have like certain standards or have certain like expectations about like the treatment you deserve and the type of relationships you want to form and the community you want to foster, then that community sort of finds you in a sense because you're not willing to accept anything that isn't supportive and that doesn't like see you for who you are and allows you to like stand securely in yourself. So I think a lot of it has also just like I've been lucky that it's kind of befallen me in that way. Yeah. Wow. So now, how has going through what you've gone through affect your relationship to your body, your relationship to health that's outside of just cancer, like day-to-day health, eating, exercising? How is how is that affect your view on all those things and especially like your relationship to your body? I think like to be completely honest, I actually feel like having Crohn's affects my like Even eating more. the most mm-hmm. um just because like i like if if i do something that's wrong my body will let me know right away mm-hmm. that it's not happening yeah. and so i have to like now i eat like mostly plant-based or at least like i'm trying to transition to that more um consistently and like that's been really hard because like mm-hmm. i said i'm puerto rican so yes. y'all know i grew up eating meat um <laughs> so so much meat in puerto rico <laughs> yes girl and also like my graduation like, I need party a veggie. <laughs> yeah like my graduation party my dad was like pernil and like it's just it's a huge thing um so i think like that more than anything has affected like eating but in terms of my body it's interesting because I feel like I I've always been or not like always been but I've been working on being a confident person for a very long time that now it feels like I've almost always been that even though that's not true at all Mm. um but I think like when you when you've been sort of like trying to live that attitude for so long it starts to just like become part of you Mm -hmm. but I think that it it does change the way like I look at my body for sure like I feel like there are times when like all like even this morning I was like staring because I was looking at these questions like last night on the train this morning and like this morning I was getting dressed and I was like standing in front of the mirror in my underwear and I was like wow like look at that body like it works like Mm. it's alive and I think that that's a different way that when I was in high school like I spent a lot of time thinking about like the appearance of my body and not to say that I don't think about my appearance now because I absolutely do Mm -hmm. but I think that it is something that I sort of like fall back on on days when like I don't feel as secure in my looks like I'll be like okay but like you're alive and your body's keeping you alive and so like you can honor and love your body for that like if you can't love the way your body looks you can love that you're breathing and that like you woke up that morning (laughs) and And here's my eyes (laughs) so that's something that I really that has definitely like changed a lot and like I and how important for everybody to hear totally and I've definitely like had I was telling Julia I've had conversations with friends who have struggled with disordered eating who have told me like oh being friends with you has changed the way I think about my body because I realized like there's a lot more more to health actual tears in my eyeballs <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, crying. But yeah like that is I mean like even days where like I have a bad mental health day if I wake yeah. up in the morning and I'm like I don't want to get out of bed today that is something I'll think about be like but you woke up in a bit like you are you have walls around you you're in a bed like you have parents who you can call if you're upset you have friends you can speak to like you have resources you have privileges like you have all these blessings mm-hmm, and I think yeah. that that's really what it goes back to is like I I speak to a lot of people who tell me all the time that I have like a unique perspective mm-hmm. um and sometimes I'm like what does that mean because I feel like <laughs> everyone has like everyone is their own person right. and so they have a unique perspective but at the same time I do think that like I'm I, I think constantly about like how blessed I am and how mm-hmm. like there's absolutely nothing about like my health journey that was like guaranteed or promised or that I'm entitled to like I'm not like 
we're all healthy right now. Like I can walk outside and get hit by a car. Like you don't, you, you don't you're know. not you guaranteed one yeah. more second on the earth. Mm-hmm. And like every second that you are alive is a blessing. And you, and it's also okay to not be grateful for it. Like you can wake up some days and be like, I'm mad that I'm here actually. Like I'm really upset. I don't want to be alive today and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think like it's definitely changed the way I look at my body and like I'm more um, appreciative and more like in awe of my body because mm-hmm. of what it's been able to do for me. Wow. So powerful. powerful, Especially now when I feel like there's so much emphasis on how we look and the images that we're shown and what the ideal body is supposed to look like, all these things to just be able to change your mindset and flip to gratitude, which of course there are moments when that's harder than others, but it changes everything. Totally. Wow. I'm going to listen to this on repeat. (laughs) Um, I have a million freaking questions I want to ask Amanda. Unfortunately, we kind of have to get towards the end of our questions, but um, if you met another woman mm-hmm. in their 20s dealing with I mean and if you have dealing with cancer or another health life-threatening issue what would you tell them I think you know it's yeah it's hard because part of me is like every I mean everyone's journey is different mm-hmm. um and I think one thing I'm actually trying not to do as I get older is I'm trying to get away from this idea of like giving advice because like who are you to tell someone Mm -hmm. what their life like you have no idea what it's like to be someone else even your best friend like you don't know their innermost thoughts um and so like I I definitely like wouldn't want to offer up like advice to anyone because I don't know like their story or their journey and their journey should look different than mine um but I think like yeah, I really think just like be there for yourself, like show up for yourself in the best way that you can. And days that you can't show up for yourself, like trust that your community will show up for you and ask them to mm-hmm. show up for you. And it's mm-hmm. okay to demand that someone needs to do that. Um, yeah, and I, I think like just really letting people know that like there's nothing wrong with you, like whatever it is, like this was, I think honestly what it was is for a long time it felt like cancer was something that wasn't supposed to happen to me that happened to me. And I would, I spent a long time like mourning my life and being like, what life could I have lived if this didn't happen? And the older I get, I realize that like this was always my destiny and this was always like who I was supposed to become. And I'm like grateful that it's made me become this person. And so I think like if, if there's anything I would hope that people do, whether they're like cancer survivors or in like the disabled community or going through like a health crisis, it's just like to try as much as possible if you can to accept that it's happening because it is happening and like wishing it away won't make it go away um and to just reach out and create resources and ask for what you need because there are people who want to give it to you so just ask for it um and our last two questions uh has there been and this doesn't have to be related to health or anything Mm -hmm. just has there been any resources in your life thus far that have helped guide you through your 20s could be a book it could be a podcast could be a person it could be literally anything a resource that has kind of helped you along your 20s journey wow um I mean I would definitely still say therapy um (laughs) I also feel like I I really actually honestly like I feel like I'm really close to both my parents and I feel like them talking to me about their 20s is really helpful Mm -hmm. like I think it's helpful to hear from people who you think have it all together to tell you that they didn't always have it all together (laughs) um I yeah I mean like I try to read a lot I feel like having um Yeah, I feel like books are really major. Like, even just reading about, like, I mean, yeah, it just can provide some, like, I'm thinking of, like, a million different books right now that I'm, like, want to call out. Um, 
but yeah, just like reading about something that's like someone who's just like you that you can be like, oh my God, someone else felt this way. Mm-hmm. Like I remember reading um, Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, mm-hmm. if y'all know that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it's about this girl who like grows up in Nigeria and comes to the US for college and sort of like realizes what it means for her to be black in America because there's different racial dynamics in different countries. But so that book was really um, major for me because I grew up like in an all white town. Um, and I remember moments of being like, oh shit, I'm different. Like I'm perceived differently than these other kids. And so, yeah, like I can think of like that book that was really huge for me. Yeah, I don't yeah, mean, I know that that's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like other stuff. No, those are all okay. good resources. Perfect. Yeah. For sure. Mm, the song Finish Line by Chance the Rapper. Ooh, <laughs> girl, that song really gets me. There's like this one verse by this rapper, No Name. Whenever I'm feeling sad, I literally play this one verse. It's like 10 lines um, where she talks about like her relationship to God because I'm also like spirituality is something that's helped me a lot. Um, I should have said that earlier, actually. Um, But she basically has like this one line where she's talking about God and the line is like, like all those days he prayed with me, like emptiness was tamed in me. And I think about that line all the time of like, what would your life be like if you could like tame the demons that tell you that like you're not good enough or that you don't deserve to be here or you don't like deserve to step fully into yourself because you do and so like that's something that sometimes when I'm like feeling down I go back to that song and I'm like okay you can tame this like it's almost like a mantra yeah totally like it it really like carries me awesome I love that and our last question is where can people find you so any Instagram website anything you want to share oh my gosh y'all you can find me (laughs) (laughs) on Instagram my on the gram yes you can find me on Instagram it's at Comalu so c-o-m-a-l-u-z um, and then my website is my first and last name. You can also find it in my Instagram bio. Um, <laughs> but it's Amanda hyphen, because they wouldn't let me have my full name as my domain. I know I was like, who took it? Um, <laughs> but it's Amanda-Borges. So Amanda-B-O-R-G-E-S.com. So Thank you so much, so much. This was, oh my gosh, such an inspirational episode, really. Thanks so much for having me, y'all. This was amazing. Thank you. Bye. thanks for listening to roaring 20s podcast be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe you're never alone our pride sticks together tune in every monday and friday for new episodes of roaring 20s podcast you get to start your week with us and end your week with us with love brenda and julia Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.